Good morning. It is exciting to be back and having this assembly period. I have missed it. There's something really special about it. And it's also good to see some people that we haven't seen in a while coming back. Uh, it's just, it's an exciting morning. Uh, if you will, open with me to John 13. We're going to be in John 13 and only John 13 this morning. So, When I was in high school, I took a little bit of Spanish and... Uh, as happens with any language, there are some words that just sort of trip you up. And for me, it was cena, the word for dinner, and cita, no, <laughs> the word for date, also in this story. Um, but, uh, and cine, the word for a movie theater. So movie theater, uh, dinner, cena, cine, it sounded pretty similar to me. And uh, one day, uh, we were just kind of joking around about how uh, we were going to take all of our Spanish knowledge and you know, move to South America and pick up chicks and that kind of thing. And uh, my Spanish teacher uh, was joking with me, and she was like, Brent, you're going to have a really hard time doing that if you can't tell the difference between a dinner and a movie. And I was like, okay, yeah, because I, you know, I won't know what to wear. And that would be kind of important. And so there are certain things in life where you hear something and you think, that's really important. I should probably do something about that. But I don't really know what it means because it's, it's a little unclear to me. Now, this particular situation I've dodged by marrying someone who speaks English. But there are still times in life where you'll hear something and say, that's important, but I don't know quite what to do about that. And that was the experience I had. I was reading in John 13. And in John 13, verses 14 and 15, Jesus says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. So Jesus says, I washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Now for a few reasons that I'll get into in a minute, I don't think that this is literal. Uh, I think it's a spirit of service that Jesus is asking us to embody. But I don't know what that means because we don't wash each other's feet anymore. Uh, and if we did, it would be kind of weird. And so... I have spent a long time, I, I wrote this on a sticky note, I think in September, and stuck it up on my wall. And every now and again, I'll just think, like, what is the modern equivalent of foot washing? And so I decided today we're going to tackle this question. We're talking about washing feet in 2021. What does that look like for us? But uh, before we come to this sort of practical question, I want to look at this text and see what we can glean from it. And then we will uh, advance with our questions. So in John 13, we're going to read uh, in chunks, verses, uh, verse 1 through 19. But we'll start with verses 1 through 3. It says, Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. So these first three verses give us a background for the story that's about to take place. It is right before the Passover, the devil has already put into Judas' heart what he's going to do. And so right here at the beginning, we get hints of the betrayal that is coming. Uh, and we see the motivation for what Jesus is about to do. We see that he loved his disciples, even to the end. 
We see that Jesus knew that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was about to go back to God. Jesus realizes that this is maybe one of the last things he's going to get to do with his disciples. And out of love, even knowing what Judas was going to do, Jesus gets up. And as we continue in verses 4 and 5, it says, He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wash them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So we see that Jesus, loving his disciples, knowing this is toward the end, he gets up, pours a basin of water, and he starts to wash their feet. Now you've probably heard sermons about this before, and you know that this is not just something that anybody would do. Uh, If you are a very poor host, you might wash your guests' feet. But Jesus is not the host here. Uh, Typically, this is a job that is reserved for slaves or sometimes women, of which Jesus is neither. Uh, He chooses to do this uh, like an almost scandalously humble thing for his servants. And we'll see some backlash from Peter, like, Lord, you can't do this because, you know, you're my teacher. But this is something that Jesus does. It's an incredibly humiliating thing for him to do. Um, But as we continue in verse 6, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, well, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. So we see here, Peter uh, gives some backlash to Jesus trying to wash his feet. He says, you're not going to wash my feet. Uh, You're too great. I'm too humble. This is very similar to uh, what Peter does in the betray, uh, in Matthew 19, when Jesus says, I'm going to go to die. And Peter says, no, 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 no. That's not going to happen. Don't talk like this. And Jesus says, no, that this is what's going to happen. And the same, very similar thing here. Peter says, no, 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 Lord, you're not going to do this. And Jesus says, yes, I am. And he further, uh, adds gravity to this situation by saying that if he doesn't wash his feet, he has no share with him. This is something that is very important for Jesus to do. Uh, It is non-negotiable, Peter, is what he's saying. And uh, he says, so Peter's like, okay, well then, if if this is so important, then don't just wash my feet, you know, wash my hands, wash my head. And Jesus says, that's that's not required. You are already clean. Uh, But He adds at the end of this, not all of you are clean. Again, we're getting this reminder that Jesus is about to be betrayed, that Judas is among them in this very party. He says, not all of you are clean. And now we get to the explanation that Jesus gives for this whole thing. In verses 12 through 19, he says, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and replaced, resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. 
I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread and has lifted up his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. And so we get, uh, again, two parallel things going on in this section. One, Jesus gives uh, the command that come that is the theme verse for our sermon here, that if I washed your feet, you also ought to wash each other's feet. Uh, that Jesus, being their Lord, being their master, he stooped down and did something that was heavily beneath him. And if Jesus did that for his disciples, then they should do the same thing for each other. They, you know, being on even plane, have no excuse for not doing something really humble for one another. But we also have what's been present through this whole narrative, uh, a reminder that Jesus is about to be crucified. Uh, And so we get the prophecy about uh, Judas, that he is going to betray him, that he who ate bread has lifted up his heel against me. So uh, we, we have this whole story, a story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, Jesus doing something incredibly humble for his followers. And mixed in here is also this thread that Jesus is about to be betrayed. And so as we ask ourselves, what is it about this story that applies to us? What is Jesus asking us to do? I want to make two notes that I think are not things he's asking us to do. One, as I said, two strands. One of them is Jesus showing humble service. And the other strand is Jesus being the Messiah, foreshadowing what he is about to do on the cross. And I think for obvious reasons, we can tell the difference between those. Jesus is calling us to humble service, but he's not calling us to some of these messianic things. We are not going to die for our fellow brothers. And washing feet does not in some way have this crazy fellowship thing that Jesus adds here. There's you know, an element of that we're supposed to be sacrificial as Jesus is sacrificial, but in very different ways than Jesus is foreshadowing here. Uh, and there are countless other points in this that point to this idea of betrayal and the cross, and those only apply to us in a sort of abstract way. But concretely, Jesus is calling us to a humble service. Uh, And the other thing I want to say that he is not calling us to, I said we'd get to this, I don't think that this is literal. I don't think he is saying you all must wash each other's feet, you know, that that's going to be a new part of the service, that, you know, between the collection and the Lord's Supper, that we're going to wash each other's feet. No, I think if that were the case, that we would have a lot more in the Bible about it. Like, when Jesus enacts sacraments, the Lord's Supper, you see it all over uh, Acts, 1 Corinthians, all over the New Testament, you see references to this. And the same thing for baptism. It's all over Acts, all over all of the epistles that Paul writes, that these are Uh, important things that you see time and time and time again. But with foot washing, it's only here, and there's one other place where there are widows that wash the saints' feet, which, again, is in a context of, like, literal physical service, not in a sort of uh, abstract... uh, Well, it's not in a sense that this is something that we should be doing every Sunday. I also think that at the core of this is the idea of humble service. And that when Jesus stooped down to wash his disciples' feet he would have been associated with a slave. 
But if we washed each other's feet in 2021, uh, what that would look like, because most people know this story more than they know, you know the history behind it, is that we're trying to act like Jesus. It would be a really pious show. And it doesn't always have to be that way. But I think that it could easily get uh, sort of shown to be that way. And so I think Although foot washing is not excluded, I don't think that is what exactly Jesus has in mind for us to do. And so I think as we try and apply this to our lives, there's a general spirit of humiliating sacrificial service, doing the things that uh, are below our station, doing the things that we might not really enjoy, but we do it to show love. Because that's, that's how this whole thing begins. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That His love is what prompts him to serve them in this way. And so as we try and apply this to our lives, what does it look like to wash feet in 2021? And uh, if you want like a Cliff Notes version, I think the closest one-to-one parallel for this is washing someone else's toilet. Uh, I think there are a lot more uh, examples that I will get into, but like, if you get that idea in your brain, something that you don't want to do, it's incredibly humiliating, there's no reason that you would need to do it, but it's very practical. Um, I think that is maybe the closest that we could get today. But there's a general spirit, and that's what I want to talk about. I've got three points, although I'm not going to pretend that they're all exactly different. I think that they're coming at the same point from different directions. And so we'll start with this first one. What does it look like to wash feet in 2021? It's to say that nothing is beneath me. Uh, and it's hard to imagine uh, this sort of social stratification of jobs because we don't have that as much today. But I think it's clear, maybe uh, clearest in like the business world. Uh, I was at FC and we had a guy come to us to talk to our business class about leadership. And he was previously the COO of Rite Aid, now a VP at Target, and he's since moved from there, but like a big wig in, this, in the business world. And he told us that anytime he would go to a Target store, that before he went in to meet the people, he would gather up the loose carts from the parking lot and, and put them in their place. Another story of a similar sort of idea, there was a VP walking through a... Uh, concrete factory and he could tell by the sound of this machine that it wasn't running properly and he'd ask them to clean it earlier there's like a filter that needs cleaning and he could tell by the way it sounded that they hadn't done that so he says I thought you guys cleaned this and they said uh, well we did and he's like well so he has them stop the machine he takes off his suit coat he rolls up his sleeve he reaches into this black sludgy material and he pulls out a big wad of just gunk and he says why is this here and he shows them this spirit of like okay I'm gonna get dirty if this is what it takes to teach you guys this lesson I think both of these have this idea of somebody who is in power, stepping down from their uh, heights to do something that is way beneath them. Uh, but as, and I, I think that really is quite parallel to what Jesus does. However, it is answering an abstract example with another abstract example because very few of us are, you know, VPs of billion dollar companies. And so it's like, okay, well, how does this apply to me? We're still in the same place. But I think that this example gives us uh, a, an, a, sight, a line of sight into something that we are all sort of familiar with, and that is having power. 
and doing something that is beneath us. We all have um, some extent of power. I think about a father in a home. Uh, my brother and I, when we were growing up, it was our job to do the dishes. And uh, if the dishes didn't get done, it was our fault because that was our job. But very occasionally, my dad, well, maybe not, maybe more than very occasionally, he would come and he would help us. He would see, see that we needed help, and it wasn't his job. He was, you know, head of the household. He was the one that told us to do it. But he was not above rolling up his sleeves, getting dirty, and helping us to do the dishes. Um, and I think that that was super cool as a kid. I thought that was great. But I think that that also really encompasses this idea of having power, but uh, setting it aside to do something that is beneath you. I think of other examples where all of us might have that sort of power. Uh, when you interact with maybe people in the service world, so like uh, servers at a restaurant or uh, janitors or plumbers, there's an extent of which as you're interacting with them, you might think, ah, you know, that's, that's their job. And you know, so for example, there was a plumber that needed to come to our apartment. And our apartment was like, hey, can you, you know, get the stuff out from under the sink? Because he needed to fix the disposal. And you know, on one hand, it's like, ah, you know, that's not my job. Why can't he do that? But you, know, you, you move the stuff. It's, like, it's not a big deal. Uh, or like when you're at a restaurant. Uh, there are places like at Nukes, for example, where uh, you leave the stuff on the table. But there, there are two kind of ideas with that. One of them is just like, OK, you know, I ate. I'm done. I'm just going to leave it all spread out. And then there are other people who are like, you know what? Let's, let's get this trash, and we'll, we'll put it here, and we'll stack the plates. You, you make it easier. And the one spirit is saying, you know, that's not my job. You know, someone is paid to come here and clean up this mess I've made. And there's another spirit that says, you know what? They're people. I'm people. You know what? I'm, I'm going to do what I can to help. The two kinds of spirits. That's not my job. And the spirit that says, how can I help? And Jesus is the kind of person that even when things, you know, when he was above washing his disciples' feet, he was not above washing his disciples' feet. He stooped down. He uh, said, that is not beneath me. And Jesus got, got up, wrapped a towel around him, and he began to serve his disciples. And I think that spirit of saying, you know what, this is not beneath me, I think that is very uh, on point with what we're trying to do as we try and serve one another and try and wash each other's feet, try and be humble servants to each other. Uh, but there's another point. Uh, and this is to say, I don't have to enjoy this service. And I, I will say, you know, there are some things uh, when we serve one another that are kind of fun. You know, like I really enjoy uh, calling people to check on them. And I've very rarely done that and think, oh, you know, that was, that was boring. That was a waste of time. Like, no, I, I enjoy that kind of thing. But they're also service that is not particularly enjoyable. You know, nobody wants to carry a washing machine up three flights of stairs. Nobody wants to clean the toilets at the church building. Like, there are things that are not enjoyable, but we do them because they need to get done. And I want to say that this is something that I really think that the members here do a really good job of. I mean, we've got people, like I said, who they regularly take it upon themselves to clean the church building. We've got people who, when we say, hey, somebody's moving. Like, when Leah and I moved here, like, most of y'all didn't even know us, but we got a bunch of people that came and helped us move our stuff into our third floor apartment. We've had, when this, the, the parking lot was iced over, we had people come and clean it. Not because that's particularly fun, but it's because they saw a need, and they said, you know what, I can do that. I can help with that. And I think that is phenomenal. Other examples of this, you know, people, you know, you don't want to give up your money, but when people need money, when they're in need, we got a lot of people who help them. 
We, there's just example after example of people here who I have seen give up of themselves, not because they have to enjoy it, although sometimes they do, uh, but for the most part, it's people who say, this is a way I can serve, and I want to do that. And uh, I have to admit, this is something that I am working on. Uh, it's something I think my parents did a pretty good job of instilling this spirit in me, but it's something that, as of late, I have sort of... Uh, not done as good of a job on, and it's something I'm, I'm trying to get more into the spirit of. And so, if that's you, if you're if you are not one of those people who does a really good job of this, then you can you can always step it up. You can always work harder. And I don't want to say that just in abstraction. Like, how how do we get involved? Because it's not just that Jesus, you know, saw a sign up list for let me go wash somebody's feet. Like he created this opportunity. And so I think that we can be more proactive. And if you're looking for opportunities to get involved. I would say start with the people that need help. Uh, and I, I know that's sort of a, a cop-out answer, but give me a moment to explain. Uh, in the home, in a domestic sense, I talked about my brother and I doing dishes. Um, and usually we would trade off one night, I would do the dishes, he would do the dishes the next night. It was a great system. But sometimes it wouldn't work that way, because one of us would have a lot of homework, or maybe we'd have a cold. It's like, okay, well, you don't want someone with a cold doing the dishes. So, you, you, you step up when your brother needs help. And the same is true you know, in, a, in a married couple. That, you know, maybe you guys swap off doing dinner, but if your spouse comes home and they're super tired and stressed out from work, you say, look, no, you sit down. I, I'm making dinner tonight. It doesn't matter whose job it is. Like, I'm going to do it because it, it needs to get done, and I can see that you need help. And we've got all kinds of opportunities if we really open our eyes. People with young kids that are really exhausting and they need to take care of them. People who are older and they don't have young kids to take care of them. We've got people with really stressful jobs. We've got people who are sick. We've got people who are shut in. And if you look for those opportunities, if you're seeking to be of service, even in times when you might not enjoy the thing that you are doing, if you're looking for a, a way to help there are lots of them if we keep our eyes open. And so what does foot washing look like in 2021? It looks like doing the things that we might not always enjoy because we know it's a chance to show love. It's a chance to show service. And third, uh, it's to say they are not a waste of my time. Uh, I think that there are a lot of things in this world that are vying for our attention. Uh, you, know, you get home from work and you're tired and you wanna just rest, but you know, your kid needs to talk to you or your, your wife needs to talk to you or you know, you're making dinner and you get a call from you know, somebody and you know, it's like, I'm making dinner right now. And it's like, no, it, there are times when of course you need to rest. You, you can't always say yes to everybody all the time, but there are also very real senses in which showing somebody that they are worth your time, showing somebody that you are happy to give up your time to serve them, to talk to them, to listen to them, is a phenomenal way to show them uh, that you care. And with this point, I talk, we've talked about like a spirit of service and giving someone time in the form of service, especially with these uh, the prior two points. But this time, I really want to talk about time and uh, worth your time in the sense of like, conversation, because I think that that is something that is really powerful. That when we call people on the phone, 
When we go up to them at church and we interact with them, when we answer their calls, when we talk to them about the questions that they have, we are showing them that they are worth the time that it takes to invest in that sort of thing. And to do this, uh, you've got to be kind of smart about it. Now, unfortunately, our high school and uh, middle school kids aren't here for this story, but when I was in high school, uh, I made maybe one of the biggest mistakes of my high school time. Uh, I, I got into the wrong crowd, and when I say the wrong crowd, I mean like the popular crowd, and it really was not good for me. And uh, I, I originally, this point was called, no one is a waste of my time, and I, I still stand by that. But I also want to say that there are interactions. There are things, uh, even social things, that can be a complete waste of time. And when I was in high school, I spent so much time trying to get close to these popular people who were really not good for me and ignoring the people that really I could have helped. And that, I will say, was a complete waste of my time. And because it wasn't at all service-oriented, I was spending a lot of time showing these people that I cared about them. But they were not the ones that needed my approval. Other people needed my love. Other people needed my help. And to get close to these people required me to be really rude to these other people. And that, that's not the kind of person I wanted to be. And uh, with five years of hindsight, it's easier to say that than it was as a senior in high school. But when we, when we are in a, at the same time, uh, self-destructive and also selfish uh, interaction, it can leech our time away from the people that really need it, the people that we can spend our time on, the people that we can serve. And so as we try and think about the people that we can be interacting with and the ways that we can help, of course, Jesus washed Judas's feet. And so I'm not saying that these people who were rude to me and rude to other people are not worth my time. But what I am saying is that the way I was interacting them with them was a waste of my time because I wasn't trying to help them. I wasn't really trying to serve them. I was just trying to get close to them. And that is like the time equivalent of bribing the rich to, to you know, beat up on the poor. And so who should we spend our time with? As we take away uh, our attention from the people who don't need it, the people who, as we realize our interactions with them are really selfish, we can move to a more selfless way of interacting with people. We can look for the people that they don't get as much attention. They don't get as many calls. And so what does it look like to spend time with the people uh, that they don't, they don't get as much love and to show them that they are worth our time? It's like encouraging the people who are weak, the people who can't get out as much, and really calling on them, checking on them. It's... Um, Loving the people who have harmed us and giving them a second and third and fourth chance to show them that we care about them and to give them a chance to grow and a chance to see what love and sacrificial service looks like. What does it look like? It's taking time, spending an hour talking to somebody who is going to forget that you came and talked to them in an hour or two. It is calling the people who are often overlooked. It is answering the phone sometimes, even when it is inconvenient. It is encouraging the people who really, really need it and engaging with your family and with the people who depend on you. 
and reminding them that they are worth your time. And so what does foot washing in 2021 look like? It looks like showing people that they are worth our time and that we are not too good for them and that we are not running out of time for them, that they are worth it and that we care about them. And so as we take this story where Jesus says, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. What do we do with that? Well, we're going to take some time to humble ourselves, to say, these tasks are not beneath me. I am humble enough. I am enough of a servant to dethrone myself and to help the people and do these things that I may not always want to do and that may seem a little bit beneath me. It's taking time to do the things that you might not always enjoy, but you can see them as times to serve. You can see them as ways to help and to show people love. And it's showing the people that you interact with that they are worth your time, that this is really important and that they are really important and that you care about them. Again, an opportunity to show love, an opportunity to give up something in order to help other people. And if we uh, start to live in this headspace, we will really begin to do what Jesus wants us to do, to wash one another's feet, to serve, to be humble, to lower ourselves, to serve, and to give our hearts in service to other people. And so, uh, as we reflect on that, I would like to pray, and then I will. The, the lesson will be yours. Let's uh, let's go to our heavenly Father. Our God, we thank you for sending your Son down to this earth to show us the ultimate example of sacrifice. Yes, He washed His disciples' feet, but He also gave Himself on the cross and. For both of these things, we are incredibly thankful because in them, he showed us what it looks like to look out for other people's interests above our own. He showed us what it looks like to lower ourselves and to serve when we don't have to, and yet we choose to, to show love and to show care. Build that heart into us. Take our pride and make us servants like your son. In Jesus' name, amen.